gentlemen, boys and girls, cats of all ages, it is another, it's time for another exciting episode of the Development Hill Podcast. This is episode number 53, not 52, like I was asking Ed before we started recording. So Ed, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Um, I don't have anything pithy to say right at the moment. That's cool. We had a bunch of, for people who are listening live, we had to restart a couple times, just some really weirdness going on with, with Skype. I'm sure it just means that NSA is listening in or something stupid like that. But yep, we've, yep. Re- we've reached episode number 53. It's uh, December of uh, 2014. Christmas actually isn't that far away. I'm actually ahead of the game. I have all my own personal Christmas shopping done. If you, you, mean, you mean stuff you bought for yourself? No, no, no. Like stuff I bought for other people is all done. Oh, I see. Okay. Yes. So I do you do you do you buy anything for your kids, or do you say that like you have to be an adult to participate fully in Christmas? No, I'm not an asshole like you are, Ed. I uh, right. I, right. I buy gifts for the kids, although we do make sure they each get one gift from Santa. So you still trick your kids that way? Well, the youngest anyway. She's totally into it. Who knows? It's yeah. I, I see. I have a policy of not lying to my children about um, mythical creatures and. Uh, that's so why, you're, I, and that's why your kid's always up in his room crying. That's why, man. I think that's what he's doing now. I can hear him. Very, very strong. Uh, so we have kind of a, I, what I think is going to be a very rambling episode of uh, Development Hill podcast planned. We have only one, only one actual programming related topic, but let's uh, let's just get into it and get this thing over with. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is actually um, we were talking before we started recording about uh, the BMW and how it has not been the chick magnet that I had hoped it had been, but I wanted weak. to uh, yeah, it's pretty weak. I wanted to uh, I wanted to relate a story of something that happened to me. I talked about it briefly on Twitter, but I'm going to talk about it more here. So, um, uh, I went out on Saturday with a longtime friend of mine and we were driving around in downtown Toronto. We went to um, uh, there's a like a music store, like instruments and stuff like that, uh, called Long and McQuaid, and they're in downtown Toronto, and they have like a really big. Um, they, they start off with one store, but now they actually own like four or five stores, buildings on like one block, so it's just huge. Uh, with guitars, drums, recording equipment, all sorts of stuff. If you're into music, it's a very, very um, cool place to go. They also do rentals. Um, they give lessons. They do all sorts of stuff. They're probably the largest company of its kind in Canada, I would I would think, based just on what, what, size alone. What's, what's the name of it again? Long and McQuaid. It sounds like a, like a detective duo in a movie somewhere. Yeah, it's like a buddy cop movie. You get Long and McQuaid in here right now. So, uh, yes. so, yeah. so anyway, so we went there. Then on the way back, we're driving along, and we're in one of the sketchier parts of town. So I'm waiting at a traffic light, and I can see just a little bit past the light, I can see there's someone – on the road in one of those like uh, like handicap scooters, you know the ones like a rascal. I don't know. I, I think that's like a brand name of them, but you know, like yeah. the, the type of scooters that people have problems walking or whatever. They'll they'll right. drive so, around. So skip to the end. You hit the guy and kill no, him. I didn't. I didn't. I'm I'm gonna get to the story, and it wasn't a guy. So I saw them. They were just parked there. It was dark. All I could see were like the reflective strips on the on the scooter, and they're just off to one side on the other side of the intersection. They're just sitting there. I'm thinking, I don't know what the hell they're doing. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to watch, watch just in case this person tries to do something. So lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. When I took off from the intersection, they, they looked over their shoulder and saw me and deliberately U-turned right in front of me trying to get me to hit them. Nice. To do like the insurance scam type of thing. Like, could you imagine me trying to explain to a police officer that no, it's not my fault that I hit this this handicapped woman on a scooter. So luckily my BMW has really good brakes. So I stopped way, way short. Yep. And she just kind of looked at me for one second. Mm-hmm. And I like had my hands up, like what the hell? I'm like yelling at her. What yeah. the hell are you doing? And yep. so just went right on by without saying anything, like drove diagonally across the street and disappeared into some little side alley. So that was very, very interesting. I'm, I am like five nines convinced that it was deliberate because they didn't, the person didn't move until cars got close to them. If they wanted to cross the street, they could have crossed with the light like 60 seconds because I sat there for a good minute or two waiting for the light to change. If they wanted to cross, they could have very easily crossed with the light. But instead, they waited until the first car came close to them and then deliberately you turned out into traffic. So it was very, very interesting. Does that happen a lot in Canada? Well, I'm sure it happens. Other people have told me they've seen it, but that was definitely like they were deliberately hoping to get hit um, to collect insurance money. There's there's no other explanation for just like because if they went out and they were like really really mad, 
You know what I mean? Like if you go into the intersection and someone's going to, you know, you'll get mad and yell at them. Nope. This person, as soon as they saw it wasn't going to happen, they just literally boop, disappeared into a little side alley. So you didn't pull out your hunting rifle and shoot out her tires? No, I didn't because it was in the trunk and I didn't have time. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Plus the trunk's kind of small. I have to break it. I have to quickly assemble it in the trunk and it's never a good scene. Yeah, I hear you. It's rough when you got to go to the trunk. I think you probably ought to just keep it loaded in the in the passenger seat. Yeah, if I want to do five to ten, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Well, how else are you going to shoot deer from your car? I don't know. It's it's hard. I find it really hard to drive manual transmission and operate a rifle at the same time. I mean, it's it's not it's it's not really in my wheelhouse in terms of skill sets. You got to wait till you get at least up to like I don't know eighty kilometers an hour, and then you don't have to shift. And then start shooting. No, no, I got six speed. I got to shift all the way up to 100. Oh, yeah, you got to go to 100 on that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, you don't remember me anyway. Anyway, when we were on the 407, we were talking about stuff. Anyway, so, so yeah, so that's my little fun. So the BMW just seems to be a magnet for just weirdness, which is kind of interesting. And I think I'm, I believe that on Monday, the bumper is finally being fixed from the collision oh, a week and a half ago. I think what happened was that they see you and your one percenter mobile and they're trying to take you out. Yeah, well, that could be it too. But that little rascal against the car is not a good, I don't think that's a, usually a, a winning, uh, I don't think that's the, I don't think that's how you win that confrontation. I think they're just, I think they were hoping I would run them over and that they would get some sort of insurance settlement out of it. Because again, the optics of knocking over a handicapped person on a scooter, I imagine, looks really, really bad. And and despite wearing my privilege like a leather jacket, I think I would have a hard time uh, talking my way out of that ticket. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, put a, a like an American passport and a handgun in her hand, <laughs> and uh, everyone will understand what happened. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Oh man. All right, so next topic. Next topic. Let's talk about our sponsors. Oh, yes, of course. Let's talk about our awesome, awesome sponsors. Take it away, Ed, because this is actually the most entertaining part of the program for some people. Man, I was going to have a drink before I did this. Hang on a second. Talk amongst yourselves while I take a drink of this sweet beverage. So we have four other topics tonight, and Ed is opposed to me talking about one of them. So I think while Ed has a drink... We'll see if we have enough time. I will, we will get to topic. No, no, we're done. I'm right. done. I'm okay. drinking. You can't talk about it. Um, so we have two sponsors tonight. Um, one is the Wondrous Wonders Network uh, or Wonder Networks. I don't know. what. There's this, Are there any S's in that? I should probably look it up. I'm going to ask Jeeves. Nope, it's just Wonder Network. So they only have one network. I was mistaken about that. And there is only one wonder. And that wonder is the network. That's what's impressive about it. The PC is is the network server. Isn't that what Sun said? Well, these guys are better. Would you like to know what your website um, looks like to somebody who is in Hawaii right now. How about Indonesia or Peru? All of these exotic places, you won't actually go there, but you'll find out what your webpage looks like there. And that's pretty cool. So if you're into that stuff, that's what they do. And they gloriously provide us with a server and bandwidth for uh, live streaming. So if you're listening to the live stream, you should um, go thank the wonders of network. Yes. Wonder Network. Yes, thank you to Paul Reinheimer and his uh, partner in crime, Will Roberts. And at True North, I, I forgot to mention this, but we got to meet um, uh, Gemma, who works for them. Yeah, I already met her. Oh, well, I'd never met her before. So, Yeah, she's cool, though. Uh, Gemma's awesome, and she gave one or two talks. Yes, uh, very well received. Uh, I asked a question, one or two talks. Oh, I think it was just one. So she gave one. And uh, it was good. It was a really good talk. Uh, talked about refactoring code bases and making them testable, and that was pretty cool. Um, and uh, so she's really awesome, too. And that is working out pretty well, I guess, the wonders of network. Yeah, they're making uh, enough money that Paul can hire somebody, so that's pretty good. Sorry, I was busy burping in the middle of my sponsor talk. And the, right. sec- the second one 
is uh, Team Rove. And um, when you uh, need your uh, Nintendo Entertainment System fixed, um, you know how the contacts on it like get funky because you keep pressing it down, and it was really bad design. And, well, those guys, you can call them in, and they will clean them for you so that your old Dr. Mario cart will work again. And my understanding is that that's all they do. Um, I think they also will install PHP Nuke on your server for you. Yeah, that's our bread and butter, PHP Nuke. So... Um, if you are, uh, and the people if, who are listening to this probably have no fucking idea what PHP Nuke is. <laughs> that's why it's such a great joke. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> it makes it even better. Suck it, noobs. Um. Anyway, they make really good uh, PHP codes for your servers and apps. Um, you take them, the you take the apps, and you let them monkey around with them, and then the apps get better. We're the and we're, that's what we're they do. yes, Rove is basically our artisanal boutique consulting firm. Yep. Yep. Um it's all locally sourced bits. Um they know uh where it, it's from from uh farm to table, as they say. From bit farm to table, yep. Yes, exactly. Um they slaughter the bit cows uh, right there in though. front of you. Humanely. They do humanely, they don't suffer at all. Right. Yeah, as as Chuck just said, it's cage free code, which is you know free range free range code is incredibly important to Rove. That's not true. They make them suffer very badly. Shh, we don't get any more money if we tell the truth. Oh, that's true. Truth does not earn you money, friends. (laughs) Take it from these self promoters. (laughs) Truth does not pay the bills. (laughs) All right, with that awesome thing about the sponsors out of the way, let's. Uh, let's go on with the more exciting parts of this. You know, it's oh, interesting. Yeah. Before I go, I saw mm-hmm. someone. Well, you, you know who Zed Shaw is, right? Because we've talked about him before. Oh, yeah. How he made me cry for a long time. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, absolutely. Sure. Was it Zed? I thought it was somebody else. But anyway. No, it, he made me cry. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's interesting that Zed uh, retweeted a tweet about where somebody was saying that they were listening to a podcast and they told podcasters that they should. What did he say they should do? Oh, yes. learn. Uh, go to Toastmasters and learn to write a script. Yeah, fuck I, that noise. Which was, I thought, a nice kind of, I don't know, backhanded compliment. Somebody felt like, said, yeah, buddy, I don't see you doing a podcast. I'd like to think that we do a pretty decent job, but maybe we're not professional enough for some people. But enough, enough about how people who don't do podcasts criticizing people that do them. Let's talk about, because I see on our lovely list, user groups. So yeah. So uh, you were talking about this. You're starting one up. Well, yeah, kind of. So I, I've had this... Um, uh, Hang on, I have to retweet. Hey, there we go. Uh, uh, we, Rove and I, have a great banter. We have great interactions. And uh, they just love it when I uh, give them a little jab. <laughs> yeah, because we're friends like that. And so I, I'm retweeting something they posted. And wait, now I can't find it on this. Are we doing a, are we doing a podcast right now? Yes, apparently we are. Somebody is. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> PHP Nuke installation is half off. There we go. See, see how flexible Rove is. We can offer instant uh, discounts like that. Just yeah. just in time discounts. I don't know why, but it's not showing up in my uh, in my uh, timeline. Probably I have blocked uh, Rove on my no. personal timeline. <laughs> You just have them on a list of people that aren't fun to talk to. All right, user yep. groups because I know you because I know you've done the stupidly named yeah. you've done the stupidly named Flossy for a while. Glossy, Glossy, Flossy, not, whatever. Not flossy. Uh, the Greater Lafayette. Oh, oh, the Greater Lafayette. Shouldn't it be Gapasi, the Greater Pawnee Open Source? Oh, that's a good idea. So it's the Greater Lafayette Open Source Symposium. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's just, and that's more of just like. I wanted to do something, but I kind of wanted it to be more open source oriented, and I wanted it to, to be, uh, what's the cross pollinating? Uh, uh, because I really dig that vibe. Um, like you know, different people from different backgrounds, but all doing open source stuff and kind of sharing each other stuff. And then the other thing is that it's just 
not a, a huge metropolitan area or anything. So as a consequence, you worry about, you know, like how many people you're going to be able to get to come out to things. And we've been doing some uh, stuff for a while, mostly just like we get together like a couple times a month for social things and uh, just hang out. So it'll be anywhere between like four people and sometimes 10 or 12, right? Not a huge amount of people. Anyway, and any, we mostly ended up kind of shooting this shit. Uh, we've done a couple things, like a couple uh, tech talk sessions um, where we've had two or three people doing uh, sort of shortish tech talks. And then we had a thing where some folks from GitHub came that we uh, did on over on campus because um, Purdue University is here. And so we went did it over on campus with at the College of Science, or excuse me, the, the Computer Science uh, Building and... Um, had them come up, and that was a cool thing. And a lot of students came and got food, and then left immediately. And um, that was uh, that all went well. But I've been, I really had been thinking, you know, for a while that I wanted to do, uh, and you know, probably even before this, I, I really thought about, well, I kind of would like to do a PHP user group, but I didn't know if there'd be enough people. And I decided that um, after a couple people had kind of been talking to me about PHP ish stuff that maybe there was enough to get a few people together to talk about stuff. So I decided we'd have like a little special interest group that is part of that organization, the larger open source group. Um, but at the end of the day, it's effectively a user group. It's just sort of under the umbrella of that, uh, of the, that organization. So, uh, is that like the thing yeah. I used to see Keith Casey tweet about the beverage subgroup of the, I think it was the DC users group when Keith was living in, Living yeah, probably. Yeah, like it's a lot of times with things like that, you have a larger organization than you have sort of like, well, for the people who are into Bitcoin, you know, they have their own group and the people who are into Pearl and they're into their thing and whatever, and, you know, so you'll have like special interest groups and special interest groups and things like that. So that's the idea. Uh, probably the term special interest group is in and of itself sound, makes us sound very old, um, but that's fine. Um, anyway, but it's effectively a user group, a PHP user group. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see. Um, we're going to have a, we're going to do like our first uh, event on the 31st of January. And uh, Liz Smith, who lives not too far from here, a couple hours away, is going to come down and give a talk. And that's pretty exciting. So. It's nice that I, I feel like it's something that we can put that together and, um, you know, bring some people into the uh, area who might not normally be coming and talking here, which I think is kind of cool. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Well, sounds interesting, man. Um, so, it, you know, we're, we're kind of getting it. You know, like I said, it's just kind of getting it started. We planned the event and. Um, I talked to some folks, and I think Engineer is going to help us out with some sponsorship on just you know making sure we got a little bit of chow and stuff like that there, uh, uh, or I'm just going to pocket that money. Either way, <laughs> you know, whichever. And um, but, so you know, I I feel like if you, um, I feel like that like if if you uh, if there isn't a user group where you are. It's actually not crazy hard to start one. Um, and there's a lot of organizations that want to help you out. Like there's a lot of companies that want to help you out. And usually there's there's a good chance there will be people, some people nearby who kind of want to talk. We're going to try to do things not too frequent. Like I don't think we're going to do monthly right away because that's just a lot, right? It's like then it means you got to plan something every month and have something to say every month. And that's a lot of stuff. So I think we might do every two months at first and see how that goes. Um, because I, I don't want to, you know, end up where it's kind of like something you just keep doing over and over because you do and nobody's coming to it. You know, I want to have it be something that's significant and notable. Uh, maybe quarterly meetings or something is good. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think real, I, you know, and I did this with, with glossy too, um, as an overall thing where it was like, I didn't want to do too much too quickly. It's always better to have fewer things than people want that have too many. <laughs> and, uh, I, and I've seen where sometimes it's like, if, especially I've seen where if you feel like they're having an event, like all the time, then it's just 
too much. It's kind of like, well, they all are, they're always happening, so why do I need to come? So I really would like to do them where we can have people from out of town come in or, you know, uh, and make it that kind of a special thing. Um, uh, there's something that, 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 you know, you wouldn't normally get. And it's not just sitting around not doing anything. It's actually like people are presenting and it's kind of a cool thing. And so a lot of the stuff, a lot of the events that you'll have around here oftentimes are, you know, with the glossy stuff, it's all just, it's pretty really, really low key, just social hanging out stuff. And then, um, a lot of the events that a couple other tech groups do, um, they are oftentimes not, uh, they're more sort of like, uh, sit around and hang out and talk about code stuff or maybe code on some stuff, but nothing, uh, but they're not really sort of like, I don't know. I guess maybe it's just that I, I sort of like the idea of having somebody come in and present. I think that's sort of a neat thing. And I feel, I feel like bringing in somebody from, from outside is kind of special and cool. And, um, we don't get as much of that stuff here because just the size of the community, you know, we've about 150,000 people. So it's not, it's different than living in like a big city or something like that. So I've been interested to hear, I mean, I'm just starting this out, but I'm interested to hear, uh, how, you know, that lines up a little bit with your experience. Cause weren't you one of the people who started a PHP user group out there? Yeah. Helped kind of get the, the Toronto area one going. I mean, we wanted to do monthly, but it's interesting given the, the problem is almost always communicating to the community as a whole that this group is available. So in mm-hmm. many ways, sometimes a smaller community, it's actually easier because there's less communication channels. Uh, the networks of people that have to go through are smaller. So, I mean, when you consider, if you look at the Toronto area is, I don't know, like f- if you include some of the suburbs, you're looking at like five, six million people pretty easily. Um, they would struggle to have people come out. They get like seven or eight people coming out to the meeting. So the the issue isn't the meeting itself. I don't think the issue, I don't think, is the frequency. It's just simply um, how easy is it for you to communicate with your target audience um, that these meetings are going on. So you may actually have an advantage being in a, a smaller place that, you, that it's not as much work. Um, I mean, how would I go about promoting a thing in a city of 6 million people. I have to rely on my uh, raw animal magnetism and charisma to bring a certain percentage of people in. But beyond that, then it's like you have to really work those networks and get people on the mailing list and constantly remind people, yeah, we have this group. Would you sign up? It's very low-key. People present. So um, it's a lot of work. In in many ways, it's also kind of like the marketing process for, for my books and videos. It's the same thing. You're constantly having to promote and constantly having to remind people this thing exists. It happens on a regular basis, all those things. So I, I think you do have an advantage that you actually have a smaller geographical area and also a smaller number of people that you have to, potentially interested people that you have to communicate with. I mean, there, you would think in a city of, uh, in a you know, metropolitan area of 6 million people, there will be lots and lots of people using PHP, but it seemed to be a struggle to get people to come out at times. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? I mean, uh, I see groups that have you know, a, a, a hundred, or no, what was it? I, I've seen meetup groups where that had like a, a thousand people signed up for them. And then, you know, maybe 15 or 20 people show up, you know? And it's funny how you got that many people on your list and there's that much, you know, difference between, okay, what's the attendance like versus, versus that. And I'm sure that, that, you know, that's affected by a lot of different things. Um, we have about a hundred people on the glossy meetup who joined the glossy meetup group. Um, and the biggest thing we did was definitely the GitHub thing. And we got a lot of people who came out to that. Um, but we got a lot of students too, but I would say we probably got, I don't know, 30 to 40 people from the group coming out, I'd say, which was pretty, a pretty high percentage. Right. Um, and then, uh, uh, but, but, Getting, uh, but usually the social things are a lot smaller. Like I said, they're between like, it could be as low as four to maybe like 12 people would be a pretty large number. Um, so that's like, you know, that's, you know, hovering between 10 to 15% of people, uh, who are on that list. So I don't know, you know, do you still go to your user group meetings and stuff like that? I, I don't, um, because, um, it was getting the, the time they were, they kept starting it earlier than 
then I, then uh, I wanted it to start so I could get out there. I used to like to have them start at 7.30 because that would give me plenty of time to get from Milton into downtown Toronto because right. Toronto, Toronto traffic is ridiculous and it would often take me um, like 90 minutes to two hours to get downtown from where I live and we're only talking like 20 miles as the crow flies. So um, so I stopped going because it's like I can't uh, – I had to, I would have to wait for my wife to come home um, from work, so it means I couldn't leave till six. They wanted these things to start at seven. It was like mission impossible for me to get in my car, fight all the traffic, go downtown, park the car somewhere, and get to where the meeting was. So I just said, "Yep, sorry, fellas. If we're going to keep doing them at this time, I can't make it." Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and then you punch somebody, right? No, no, I didn't punch anybody because I, I, I actually like the other co-organizers. They help me out with True North PHP, so it's not like I can just punch them out every time something happens that I don't like. So. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Have you tried it? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it doesn't work okay. as well as you All think right. it does. All right. Well, I so, yeah, it just became it was getting too difficult for me to um, to commit to, to because I, I I couldn't leave at a time that would get me to the um, to the meetings on time. That's all. Right on. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I. Uh, I guess at the end of the day, I think that it's an interesting thing here is that, you know, with the, you kind of want to make, uh, at least I do, I want to make the community that I live in an interesting and dynamic one and one that I like being in. And I like, and that's why I started doing the open source group was because I liked having, you know, I really liked the experiences that I had at conferences. Um, and being able to interact with people who are interested in the same kinds of things, learning different kinds of things, you know, bouncing stuff off one another and having that experience and then coming home and kind of feeling like I didn't really have any outlets for that. And that's what I'm sort of hoping to bring some of that here. Uh, there's a lot of really, you know, for a town this size, there's a lot of really smart people here, right? Um, Purdue's a really top engineering school and, uh, uh, has the first uh, the the first uh, computer science uh, school in uh, the country and all sorts of cool stuff like that. Right, so this isn't a Purdue commercial. I right? know, I know, but there's a, but uh, the point is that there's a lot of people you know or in the area uh, who there's a lot of smart people and and also not with the university. There's a lot of cool smart people, but obviously the university is sort of a magnet for. Or folks and uh did purdue give you a check or something is this why you're talking no about i worked there for 10 years so they I gave know. me a number of checks but i'm aware of that i am aware god anyway but i'm proud of where i live and i think it can be cool and there's a lot of cool stuff there and i think that there's not i think that you can bring some of that stuff and and sort of raise the level of uh you know uh Dynamics in terms of you know web app kind of folks, web app developer kind of folks, and also uh, tech entrepreneurship, and you're starting to see more and more of that stuff in the past few years. And um, you know we have a cool co-working space now. Um, there's a couple of cool organizations that do uh, you know either kind of entrepreneurship stuff or, or more developer oriented stuff. And uh, I felt like it was time that we could talk about that, and sort of talk about say PHP specifically. Uh, and uh, get into that stuff. So, you know, I'm excited. I hope it hope it goes somewhere. I hope there's enough people who are interested. And in but I feel fairly confident in that um, that we're going to get some people out there who uh, it's going to be a cool thing. I think, especially if we have food. I think food's a key thing. People know there's going to be food. They'll show up. The, the, I I agree. That seemed to be a pattern when we had good food. People would show up. Well, yeah, you'd be like, oh, I can see this person, and I can get pizza for free? Oh, okay. I still remember one time we had a meeting, and we ordered, we made a mistake, like, in how we decided on how many people were going to show up, so we ended up with, like, five times the amount of pizza, so it was just so funny at the end of the meeting, we're, like, literally having to carry pizza out and throw it out because there was we couldn't keep it there and just had to find a dumpster and toss all this pizza into it it was a shame oh that's no good yeah it was no good after that we learned to we got a better handle on the number of people that would show up based on the rsvps because we foolishly believed the rsvp number one time it's really yeah it's really funky um i was like well people understand what rsvps are right so um my experience was that 
It, it, well, it can vary. You can get RSVPs and like have half the people not show who RSVP'd. And then I will get people who don't RSVP and then just show up. Right? And I'm like, what's the deal? Why are you here? Get out. <laughs> but you know, like there's there's one guy who's uh, he's a he's a, he's a great he's a great guy, a really nice guy. Um, uh, so this is uh, not a, not a criticism of him uh, overall, but I guess he like because he didn't really want to like he wanted to make sure that well he signed up for each meetup group with a different email address, and this was on purpose. I think he I don't know he didn't want him tracking him or something like that, right? So, but then he was like, well, I can't remember what account I signed in. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you couldn't so, R- so he just shows up. Yeah. So he couldn't RSVP. Eventually I was like, what? I, I kind of egged, you know, nudged him a little bit, and, uh, but, you know, jokingly. And, but I think now he does actually RSVP. <laughs> but, um, well, it's tough when it's like, hey, we're going to meet at this like pub or something like that. And then it's like, well, I don't know who's going to show up. <laughs> like how many people there I had six people RSVP but it could be as many as 12 and it might be less so I don't know so usually I go for like two more than have RSVP and that seems to work out for the for us on that stuff but I think the dynamics are just different um did you usually have somebody come and talk like and present um they try to have someone present every single we try to but sometimes it would just be um we tried a few like informal ones and they didn't go over very well. It, it seemed to me that the ones that did the best was when there was people knew ahead of time what the topic was and that someone would speak. And I would say probably about half the time it was um, one of the organizers talking. I mean, we had Brandon Savage come in and um, right. we've had other people come in and do stuff. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, without a topic, without a, without a confirmed speaker, people seem reluctant to come. And I, I don't blame them. You, you want to know if you're going to go that you're going to get something out of it. Yeah, you want to know if it's going to be some kind of stiff going up there, talking about some jazz he doesn't know about, yeah, man. or you know somebody who knows what they're talking about. Um, and did you uh, do you use Meetup? Yes. Or, yeah, so you use Meetup. It, that seems to be sort of the de facto thing to use. And uh, but I, uh, it does cost money. But I guess yeah, I figure like it's not that much. It's like yeah. sixty bucks a year. Yeah, it's like, I think it's like Path of Least Resistance. It's like Meetup has. You know, like probably like ninety percent of what you're going to need, so there's kind of no reason to not use it. Yeah, and it, I got to say, our, our group, the glossy open source group, significantly grew when we got onto Meetup. It got, it, you know, we got like twice as many people coming because when we switched, when we started using Meetup, as opposed to just being like, "Hey, folks, we're gonna," you know, I just mentioned it on Twitter or something like that. You know, it just wasn't doesn't really work. And we looked at a couple of things like, oh, use Facebook or, you know, Google Plus or some other turd like that. And uh, it, it got a lot better with Meetup. And also, I think it helps that Meetup will, like, by default, it bothers you if um, you have, uh, you know, you're supposed to put your interests in. And if, like, a group opens up that has it matches a keyword or something, it'll send you a notification. So Yeah, no, I I, right. I think Meetup's actually a very good thing, despite people, of course, there'll always be people complaining about everything. But I found when I participated in the organizing of the group that Meetup was really good for that. Yeah, I think it's really solid. Um, I haven't had any problems, really, with it. Um I guess sometimes you like to think, I don't know, it works pretty well. So, and I did find that it really, it, you know, I got more interest as soon as we started using it. It seemed like that was a lot better. Um, now, did you have sponsorship for most, most of the time when, and did, and, and, you know, especially with like, if you were bringing in people from out of the area, like, did you have to pay for them to come in? Like, What's the money I'm, stuff like? I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't ever remember paying to bring somebody in. I right. do know that they. I do know that they do have sponsors from time to time, but it's nothing. Of, it's nothing official. I mean, again, I haven't. I haven't done it for a while. So, why I am I even talking to you? Because well, I'm here. That's why you're talking. Yeah, I guess that's all I got. Right? But um, we generally would get if if recruiters and other companies wanted to like anybody interested in hiring, we would basically make them pay for the food. That was kind of the. You oh yeah! In. If you want to come and talk, then you got a plyus full of, of uh, soda and pizza. So if you're going to foot the bill for that, no problems. So basically, treat us like sixth graders, there and you, you can you can come and talk to us. Well, because that's kind of a, again path of least resistance. The idea yeah. that pizza is non-threatening to people, and you know what I mean. It's 
I don't know any other way to describe it. It's, it's, it's expected. It's kind of like tradition. The pizza developers want pizza and, and some developers want alcohol, but we never had booze there. But, um, but yeah, generally speaking, if people want to come talk, um, if they want to talk, no problem. If they want to come and try to hire people, then they got to pay. Um, because that's not the purpose of the group. The group is not to provide recruiters with a captive audience. It was the idea that people who want to know more about PHP could come and show up, and we would try to make sure that we had um, speakers and other interesting things to share. That's all. That's all we ever wanted to do because there was a group and it was dead. And so I still remember our first meeting, we had like five people. And um, I think some of the bigger ones, I do remember uh, some of the last meetings before I stopped going, um, they had like 40, 50 people show up. So it was pretty good. Right. So you figure it probably like way more people started going after you didn't, weren't going. I have no idea how many people go. because So probably like 100 or 200 people I, I now that some, you're not going. Yeah, okay. I get what you're getting at. Nice. Thanks, Ed. But seriously, that's probably, probably more people. Next topic. All right. Dragon Age. Oh, so you're into the Inquisition now. Is this what it, is this like a new fetish of yours? You found a game about the Spanish Inquisition you can play? Yeah, I'd say it's kind of a fetish. Um, but with but with dragons? Yeah. So what yeah. is Dragon what is Dragon Age colon Inquisition? Well, it is the third game in the Dragon Age series. Um, the first one was Dragon Age Origins. Um, which then it had an expansion called Dragon Age Awakenings. Uh, but that was an expansion, but it was pretty big. It was almost, like, almost as big as a full game. Um, and then uh, they did Dragon Age 2, uh, Let's Not Try As Hard. And uh, that was still a good game, but not as good as the first one. And then this is the third one, and it's also the first one that has come out for these new consoles, the Xbox O-N-E and the uh, uh, SP4. I think they call it, and uh, I, ha- I have it for uh, the PlayStation 4, and I have played it a lot. And I have noticed that you are sharing uh, selected screenshots as you play. Yeah, I really like that part of these new consoles that you can share screenshots and video like super easily, and um, I don't know. I really dig it because there's a lot of things that I've seen on... Uh, you know, I you know experiences I've had on on playing console games that were you know significant or neat or just cool looking, and uh, I didn't really have an opportunity to share it unless I just you know showed, like played through and got to that part and showed it to somebody else. I guess you know I could do that, but anyway, it's uh, I think it's a cool thing, and I so, like that. So that's part. built right into it. You can tweet from the game. Yeah, and not from the game. It's actually built into the console OS. And yeah. uh, I think they both do, but I know the PS4 has a dedicated chip that just is constantly recording the video output. Um, so it can take a screenshot anytime, or you hit the button, and then basically it's, it's whatever. It's, it's probably recorded for the last you know, up to 10 minutes or 20 minutes or something like that. And then you can edit it down and, you know, put things together. So like when I was playing, uh, alien isolation, uh, I would, I could, you know, record a video of stuff or screen, just take a screenshot. And there's, it actually has a dedicated button on it, a share button on the, on the controller, uh, for that. So both the Xbox one and the PS4 can do that. And you can also do like live streaming, and I think they use. I know the PS4 uses Twitch, and I'm not sure about the Xbox One, which is something that you could do like on the PC for a while, but um, and you, well, you can still do obviously, but you've been able to do it. But it, you know, there was obviously if you don't have like the hardware big enough to to do it, it, it used to be more of a thing that would sort of. Uh, slow things down, but I think it's pretty much okay now. I think Steam, the uh, if you're familiar with Steam, the uh, gaming uh, like app store basically for games. Um, I think they're going to start building in like Steam sharing to show like live and 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 recorded video and screenshots and stuff like that too. Cool, so that sounds you, cool. I know I, yeah. I use Twitch uh, a lot 
to watch um, uh, magic streamers because a lot of people who play magic who right. play who play online um, they will record themselves as they're playing and also all the tournaments when they happen on weekends are broadcasting like right now they they have the World Magic Cup and World Magic Championships going on right now right. in in uh, Nice France. And mm-hmm. so I've had that on my iPad in the background off to one side with the volume turned down low. I'm occasionally catching glimpses of people playing uh, playing uh, really high-quality magic. So Twitch, that's uh, integration with Twitch is probably a good idea because that's a yeah. very popular service. It's actually very stable, and um, the client on uh, my iPad is actually really, really good. I find it really easy to use. Like somebody that I follow on Twitter who I've met actually met in person, a guy who lives north of Toronto is streaming right now, but I'm not watching because that would be rude to pay attention to him instead of paying attention to you, Ed. Yeah, really? So I'm not sure what the Xbox One uses, but maybe they both use Twitch, actually. Now that well, I'm sure like. Microsoft has some proprietary bullshit they want you to use. Yeah, it looks like they use Twitch. Well, actually, one well, s- somebody just bought Twitch, and I think it might have been... Who, who just bought Twitch? I yeah, know somebody did buy Twitch. I, I highly doubt anything's going to change. Uh, buy out. Let's type that in. What does the internet tell me? Uh, YouTube bought Twitch, so Google. So there you go. No, Twitch so, is very, yeah, Twitch yeah. is very, very cool. So I mean, uh, like I said, a lot of a lot of streamers, and it's not just people that play Magic. Are oh wait, doing. people wait. Are playing all sorts of stuff. I remember this. YouTube was gonna buy them, but then it turned out Amazon actually completed it. So like Amazon bought it sort of at the last minute, and uh, yeah, so Amazon owns Twitch. Yay! Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right, because they were gonna buy it. You're right. Yeah, I remember there was like a bunch of reports that that Google was interested in him, and then it happened and it happened, and and then like Amazon was like, "No, nope, we're taking it <sighs> for nine hundred seventy million dollars." That's that's a lot of money. Yeah, that's and uh, I can actually say without without any kind of jealousy that that's actually that's I'm happy for the Twitch folks because they actually built something really good. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't it start off as part of Justin TV? I think isn't that how it all started? I kind of think so. I think Twitch is like a outgrowth or a side thing that they had started with Justin TV. So that's good for those guys. It's uh, guys and gals there. That's uh, again. It's I, I think it's rare that something that actually makes money gets bought by somebody these days. And I do believe Twitch actually makes money because um, they show ads and all sorts of other things. So I'm sure I'm sure they're making bank. And congrats to the folks from Twitch on getting um, Jeff Bezos to throw a bunch of money at them. Yeah, you know, well, that's good. Um, so. I uh, so yeah, I think it'd be a cool thing, and I haven't tried like doing the live broadcasting, but I'm not much for one to like broadcast to just like anybody. But if I could say like make a channel and just like hand out the link to a few people, that might be cool, right? Yeah, well, that's kind of how it actually works. Yeah, with, twi- with Twitch, you don't have. Yeah, to see, I've never done it, so yeah, I don't. You don't even, have to broadcast what you're doing; you can just set it up, and people will find it when they search for it. So. Fancy. And there's okay. chat, which you can ignore anyway. So basically, you can just stream and just show people what you're doing, and nobody cares because you can just ignore whatever. And when anybody comes into the chat and starts, you know, calling you names and, and racial and homophobic slurs and all the usual nonsense that goes with any kind of uh, online chat. Sounds about right. Yeah, it sounds about right. So, as a tangential topic for this, I had added something about the longevity of games. I saw something interesting mm-hmm. uh, today, either today or yesterday on Twitter, where someone was like, so here's two games. Here's one game like was kind of like a Call of Duty military style game, and now the game is useless because the company that uh, created the game shut the servers down, so people couldn't do multiplayer anymore. Oh yeah. And he said, "I have this cartridge for my Atari that 30 years later, I just plug it in and it still works." <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, it has me wondering. Uh, interesting discussion to be had about longevity of games and longevity of of things in general mm-hmm. um, because it seems like of course like the the stories that, uh, that a common thing is you look at appliances at one point probably in the 50s and 60s they built home appliances to last it was not uncommon for someone to own a fridge for 30 years to own a washer dryer pair for mm-hmm. 20 plus years yep. and of course at some point 
Um, people figured out that we don't have to build things so solid uh, to last for so long because we can spin that spin uh, inferior quality and it's just a marketing thing and then constantly convince people to upgrade and buy the newest thing when it comes. And of course, I am I am as guilty of falling for this as anybody else in terms of phones. I tend to upgrade my phone to whatever the latest, greatest thing is when my right. contract is up. My yeah. iPhone 4S, which I looked after very, very well, still works. Um, after three plus years, and my daughter is using it now after smashing a zillion of her own phones. Right. And, um, but longevity in games, it's kind of an interesting concept. And, and also, as a programmer, maybe the thing is the pace of programming changes so much, and people feel pressure to constantly learn new things and keep their skill levels up, that I think we definitely sneer and look down at older code bases. I mean, I even look at work where I'm going through this massive refactoring to um, to make sure that our code is now PSR2 compliant because the command came down from above that that's what they wanted and it was kind of a good way to enforce uh, a sameness to the code because looking at the code, I can definitely start seeing, I think this developer worked on this part of the code and this other developer worked on, on this different section, all just based on choices on where they want to put their braces and indentation and, right. and just how the code looks. And so uh, discussion on longevity, I think, would be an interesting thing. I mean, uh, video games, of course, is where it starts because I think it is actually quite good that a game from... 30 years ago still works, but a game from five years ago no longer works. Right. So it's an interesting thing in that we've created a lot of applications, um, and you know, games are one of them, but lots of things that make certain assumptions about the ecosystem that they live in. And they're not because that ecosystem doesn't have to be so self contained anymore, they'll expect things to be. There, like they expect to have internet connections. An example would be a real good example is this uh, game that I actually play a ton, Marvel Puzzle Quest, and I play it all the time. It's like Bejeweled but with superheroes. Basically, that's all it is. And it's a fun little game. And if you do not have an internet connection, it does not work. You cannot play it without an internet connection. There is nothing about, there's some stuff about the game where it like, in terms of like tracking stuff and ranking and stuff and things like that, but there's really no reason they could not build just an offline mode for the game. There's no reason they couldn't. It just doesn't. Just, you know, it just doesn't. So it makes assumptions that, okay, the company that operates it is always is going to be in business and they're going to keep the servers up and you're always going to have an internet connection. There's a bunch of assumptions built into that. And I guess people who have been into like MMOs and stuff like that are real familiar with this because, you know, Ultima Online was not online forever, right? Nope. And Fantasy Star Online was not online forever. Eventually they shut those servers down and they shut down like, you know, EA shut down what Need for Speed and, and this and that. Now there's a few things that are still up. Like, you know, World of Warcraft is still successful. I think EverQuest is still going. There's there's some stuff like so I think Age of Conan is, which I heard that game sucks. I don't know why it is. Anyway, but the point is the um, and I think that that's it's sort of an interesting thing that you get into about the availability of certain experiences or applications or content that you don't have it available to you if certain things happen. Like uh, you know, let's say Netflix goes out of business. Well, is House of Cards going to be there anymore? I don't know. I mean, I guess you can go buy it like on DVDs. Like, but if you haven't done that, are you, is there something else you can do? No, I guess there's that's no, it. There's probably no recourse, so right? You, you yeah. know, you don't have it, right? It's and you're not, and for the most part, you know, you get into that. It's like with uh, with uh, music streaming services, you know, and music is sort of a closer thing to me because, like, I always for me, music has like it's always been about like the emotional stuff. Like there's emotional associations you have with music. And for me, that's what I get out of it. And I really enjoy it. Some of those things are very important to me. And it would be very upsetting to me if there was some, you know, music that had those emotional associations for me. And I just couldn't listen to it because, um, uh, I didn't have an internet connection or because like audio went out of business, like, uh, you know, Spotify went out of business. I don't use Spotify. Fuck this guy. But, um, 
any one of those things. You know, there's no, you know, oh, oh, you know um, like uh, iWeb, <laughs> which was something that a lot of people actually used to build decent looking web pages nicely. Um, it's just gone. It is just, nope, not going to keep making it anymore. You know, and you can actually still use the application, like if you can, you know, like run, put stuff up via FTP. Right. But um, you know, uh, a lot of people don't have that kind of stuff, so it you just can't use it anymore. That's just it doesn't exist, and and so we've built a lot of interesting. You you can do a lot of things that you were not capable of before in without such interconnected systems, but at the same time. Um, I think it makes us a little bit more aware of the transient nature of a lot of resources that we sort of, when we're, especially when we're building stuff, I think we kind of don't think about how transient they are and how fleeting they can be. Um, and that most businesses go out of business quickly. And um, they're, most of them probably won't be around. And so it makes you sort of question about like how much investment do I want to put in something? And I, I guess that's just the way it is, but it's, uh, you know, it certainly is the case that, you know, I own a lot of old video games <laughs> and I can play those and I don't, I need power and I need a TV, but I, as long as I, at least I can have, I have electricity, I can play those games and compare that to some stuff that like, like it, you know, it arbitrarily has to connect to the internet, maybe for just the, for the sake of DRM or something like that. Um, you know, and yeah, what happens if they just shut the servers down or what, you know, happens if like your internet connection goes down, it happens and, and you just, you can't do it. And it makes you sort of realize it's like how much you rely on that stuff and expect it to be there when it goes away, you know? Yeah. I mean, just, I was just thinking about that. Yeah. Maybe the, the, maybe part of the problem, maybe problem is not the correct word, but part of the issue around this is that people have short memories and if a game, and the designers, game designers know this, so they're just cranking out a game and they hope it stays around for two to three years and they make back the money that they spent to develop it and they move on to something else. So the idea that a game, uh, a multiplayer, multiplayer online game is at some point just going to die and the servers are going to be shut down. Um, some of them don't care. I mean, some fans are, of the games are very passionate about it. I mean, I know that I, I worked with people who are very passionate about um, EVE Online, otherwise known as Spreadsheet in space yeah uh, yeah right um but you know that seems to have a, a a good enough core constituency that the game can probably keep running for quite a long time right yeah um and eve has been is one of the success stories and and a very much an independent success story it's happened mm-hmm. outside of the major studio system of gaming uh of game development and uh has been massively successful and is, is there's certainly a lot of interesting things that go on with that community um, I have never played it, and it sounds scary, um, but uh, also kind of cool. I think it's interesting to observe from the outside. Um, but yeah, it's entirely dependent on, you know, it's it's a communal thing, and um, you when you the more you sort of bring people together, the more reliant you are on the things that empower you to have those connections. So if you don't have those things, it it's gone. Um, you just, there's, you know, there's no place to meet anymore. You know, the, the meeting hall burned down because the cow kicked over a bucket or something. I don't know. Is that how Chicago burned down? I think uh, so. Allegedly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's just, it is something it, you know, it's like, I actually don't know how many games I could play on my Xbox one or PS4. Like if I was completely offline, like if I just unplugged it or, uh, you know, turned off the internet. I think I can play some of them, but it's definitely there's some stuff that I lose because of that. I know. Um, and I know that like there's games that I purchased uh, from the online service that I don't know if I can still play them if I'm offline. I just don't know. Maybe I can, but maybe I can't. You know, I don't know. I, I kind of was under the standing. I think it was going to be more significant, but I kind of under under the understanding that the Xbox One like has to be connected to the internet to get started up. But let me see if uh, maybe I'm totally fucking wrong about that. Anybody who's in the cl- channel still listening can, of course, feel free to tell us this. But no, nope, nobody's listening. 
Um, yeah, so I don't know. You know, it's an interesting question. And what happens, you know, what happens to that stuff? Like, will I be, you know, I have 30 year old or older, 40, I have, I have at least one console that's 40 years old here. Wow, that's pretty um, impressive. Yeah, and I've got a lot that are 30 years old or 25. And I can play all those. And will I be able to play like my Xbox One the same way like in 15 years? I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know if yeah. I'll be able to. I don't know, man. Yeah, that's uh, just like we're losing games, and uh, I guess uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe stuff has always been this um, uh, ethereal and just never noticed. Yeah, I mean, I think some things were like that, and we didn't notice. But I mean, there's dynamics like in any in social structures and in communities. So like, you know, um, uh, a company or a, a, a large company that employs a bunch of people in a community goes out of business. That's going to have a serious impact on the on the those that you know on that community. Is that community are people going to still stay there or not, or are they going to leave? You know, is, you know. So it's not apples to apples, but it's you know those kinds of things when you're talking about communities and social groups and things like that, you know, the, the, when you have that kind of thing, if there's, it's sort of centralized, well, that can go out of business. That could go away at some point. I mean, those constructs are all, are not permanent. And so, yeah, it's all, I guess it's always been like that. Um, but I think it is, it is different in that you, it, for a long time, there were some people who, who did get online, but, um, through BBSs and stuff like that, but personally, you know, PCs and um, and gaming consoles uh, and our TV experiences and things like that were not designed. Um, uh, we're, we're not we're not built sort of with the idea that they were you were all, you're going to have a regular internet connection, so stuff could always it, it had a lot more permanence because of that. I think. Right. Um, and, uh, and I, I, I guess, you know, when you, when you're touching on that stuff, it does get kind of more ephemeral. Is that the right word? I don't know. I think that's the right word. Yeah. Let's say that's the right word. Um, it's a lot of TVs now. Like you can't pick up signals the same way you can anymore. You can't, you can't get analog signals in the U S anymore. Right. I mean, that's, it's that's all right, digital. Yeah. So they just shut that shit off. Um, uh, so now my parents, because of course they will not purchase, you know, a, a, a TV uh, that is less than twenty years old, and uh, will not get cable. Uh, they have a the largest TV you've ever seen uh, depth in depth. Uh, it's really not. I mean, I used to have TVs like that, but it's not. But they've got a, a CRT, and then they got some converter box on it, and then they, they've got a huge antenna out back, right? to pick up uh, stations from Chicago and shit like that. And uh, that's just the way you do it. You know, that's what you got to do. But it's like, man, that's a bunch of crap you have to do to make this happen. Um, but, uh, you know, and they've, they've still got a bunch of VHS tapes and it took them a long time to get DVDs. My parents were very much, very slow to adapt technologies. You know, we didn't get a VCR until like the 1990s. Really? Like wow. Yeah, and let me let me take it back. Let's say nineteen eighty seven. That's still pretty late. Like most people had VCRs by then. At least people uh, uh, around me. It seemed like everybody had a VCR, and we didn't. Never have had cable ever. Well, we had cable when that like when we lived in Pennsylvania, and that was the only way to get TV because you live in the middle of a valley and you can't pick up anything. Never otherwise though. Did not own. Did not get cable. So the MTV was not something I ever had uh, at home. Um, and it was just, you know, so I think, I, I think that uh, they're very, you know, I think they, my, my, my dad uses, you know, Facebook a little bit and stuff like that. And he sends a lot of emails. I still get email forwards from him. It was really unfortunate when that started happening. Very upsetting. Um, but uh, my mom, I don't know. She just doesn't care about any of that stuff. 
kind of interesting. She just says, she's like, I don't know, I couldn't write it down on a piece of paper. Hmm. I'm like, well, I can't really argue with you. <laughs> she's like, this works fine. I don't, what, I don't care. It works fine. Yeah, I know. There's, it's strange that there's people who are like, well, what I have works fine. Why do I want to change it? It's a, it's a, it's an interesting mindset. Yeah, and and you know, um, I think part of that is the kind of stuff that you come from. But I think probably part, of, I don't know. I, I admit that I probably do that a little bit more as I've gotten older. I mean, I'm less excited about new flashy shit, for sure. Like, I don't know, when I was in my 20s, maybe I would have given a shit about an Apple Watch, but I sure as hell don't care about it now. Yeah, same with me. I'm, I just look and say, what do I need an Apple Watch for? Yeah, what, what am I going to do with that? Yep. What, what am I going to And I am much more concerned about my phone working correctly than, you know, like what fancy shit it can do and, like, how can I tweak that stuff out stuff. I've definitely gotten a lot more conservative about how I do things um, because I would like them to work I hear you, man. I hear you. Um, no. But but it's still the case that I still jimmy around with a lot of shit. It's just I think I've gotten a lot less. Uh, I don't get excited the way I used to about uh, about new ways of potentially doing things. Because I think maybe after the 600th time I tried to do it and realized that it didn't like it wasn't any better. It was just different. And or actually, you know, what really killed me from it was like when you have a bunch of stuff set up to like. I don't know, watch videos off of servers that you have in your house and you can watch them anywhere and stuff like that. But when you constantly are having to like fix shit to like keep it running, eventually you get to the point where you're like, I really would like it if it would, this was a whole ton simpler. Like I really don't want to mess with this anymore than I have to. And I still annoys the shit out of me when I have to be, I have to screw around with stuff to get it to work. It makes me so mad when it doesn't, it's like I set this up. Why don't you just work? Why can it not just continue working the way that it was supposed to? Why did something change? I don't understand. I don't, you know, but I'm old. old no, man, old. that's a valid. I think that's a very valid attitude to have. As you get older, you got less time to worry about shit. So I just want stuff to work. Yeah, I suppose I that's to, I want to be able to understand the stuff I'm dealing with. And yes, I try new stuff out all the time. And, um, you know, it'd be good. But some, sometimes people don't want that. Sometimes, man, they just don't want it. They don't, don't. They're not feeling it. Yep. All right. Well, so I, I think we've covered everything that I wanted to talk about today. I think. All right. Well, that's fair. You want to talk about our sponsors again? Yes, please do. Tell us all about our sponsors, Ed. Well, my cat is sitting next to me, and it's going to tell me what I should say about these different sponsors. What's that? Um, it says that uh, Wonder Network is the best and that um, Rove uh, is is adequate. I think that what she said, adequate, yes, that was the word she said, adequate for your needs um, to create web-based applications. So that is a ringing endorsement uh, from my cat uh, for both of these products and or services. And I think that you will find them useful. And um, perhaps you'd like to try one today. My understanding is that um, that there's a like a buy one, get one free offer at Rove where uh, you can get um, two apps for the price of one. Is that correct, Chris? Maybe, maybe just for PHP Nuke stuff, but I'm not always uh, familiar oh, yes. with all the details that Evan wants to do with people. Yes, that's right. Um, two PHP Nuke installations for the price of one installation. Um, now, you will need to have MySQL 3 installed on your machine. Uh, and um, please make sure that Register Globals is enabled. <laughs> So, on that note, are you still there, Chris? I am still here. Just have to mute because sometimes I want to laugh and I don't want everyone to hear me. No, everybody wants to hear you laugh. Maybe they do. So, I guess that's Lovely. it. We, we have reached the end of episode number 53 of the Development Hell Podcast. Quite the rambling, 
um, podcast. I do believe that the next time we do this, now that Phil Sturgeon has been granted papers and been allowed to go back into the United States, now I think we're going to actually try to get for the next episode. Fingers crossed, because sometimes you know, sometimes they don't actually work, but. Try to get the PHP Town Hall and Dev Hell simulcast going that we tried to schedule a few times, but oh yeah, I had to bail on because I was sick and you were away and, and stuff like that. So that's what we're kind of hoping to do. So uh, we want to thank everybody for joining us. We want to thank our special guest of nobody. We like to thank our sponsors. Hope you find it as entertaining as I do. Uh, you can find uh, everything that we've ever done with the show is at devhell.info. Um, you can usually people listen to us. They find out via RSS that they have it. Um, if you listen to us on iTunes, please, 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 please rate us. Give us some feedback. We like to know what's working, what isn't working. Did One you thing- know we have an email list too? Oh, that's right. You can get, you can find the email list by please go to the website and sign up. You will be emailed um, as soon as uh, episodes go up, so that way you don't have yep. to keep frantically refreshing Twitter and wondering when is the next episode of Dev Hell going to be available. Um, so you can also find us on Twitter uh, at Dev underscore Hell. You can find me on Twitter, Grumpy Programmer without the U. You can find Ed on Twitter, Funkotron with the U. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you all soon. My cat is butting its head against the microphone. Strong play. Strong play. Good night, Internet.